You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. Good morning. You know, as exciting as things are, especially in the life of the students, I know there are adults in this room that most of our life, like we look at a weekend like this or a week like this, and most of our lives are pretty regular. Like it's, uh, it's rinse and repeat. Uh, you know, we wake up in the morning, you have your cup of coffee, um, perhaps eat, um, brush your teeth, head off to work. Um, as you're in the car, you, you're mad at the news, right? You honk your horn, you hate your job, and it's just a normal day. And you see stuff like this that is so exciting. And periodically, there are exciting moments like what's going on with the students that take place in our lives, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But these days are different, days that are odd. Some days that are unexpected. What I want us to do today on behalf of every person in this room, whether it was a great week or difficult week, uh, whether great weeks are around the bend or difficult weeks are around the bend, I, I want us to look at a guy in the Old Testament. His name is Jacob. If you've got your Bible, turn to Genesis 28. Jacob has a dad named Isaac. He's got a grandfather named Abraham. Abraham and Isaac love God, but we're not so sure about Jacob yet. Jacob, for all practical purposes, if we would look at it through today's lens, he grew up in a Christian home, meaning he knew all about church, he knew church songs, he knew church phrases, he could flip through the books of the Bible. But there was a problem with Jacob. In light of him knowing all that stuff, we don't know that he knows God. As a matter of fact, we find him in this passage and he's running for his life because he's a con man. He's a thief. And he's stolen something from his brother, so he's running for his life. He, he's stolen his brother's birthright and his brother's blessing. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, instead of making it right, or instead of even fighting it out, Jacob in this passage is on the run because that's what his mom told him to do. Now you've got to ask the question, what happened? Well, Jacob is about to have one of those days, a day that all of us will have, a day that's unusual, it's unique. A day that is perhaps shocking or surprising. And as days like this come into our lives, there's a good question to ask. How should I respond inside of this space? Meaning, um, it's worth considering, what if the space you need to be in is not the space you want to be in? I have no doubt, like on a day like today, there are people that came for your kids or for friends of kids. Or maybe you're visiting this church for the first time because someone had you come. And this space isn't a space you want to be in. But it's a space you need to be in. Jacob's going to find this out. And I want us to eavesdrop to the story. Genesis 28.10. Jacob left Beersheba and he set out for Haran. Well, do you know where he wants to be? He wants to be in Beersheba. Beersheba is his home. Beersheba is the place that Jacob was raised. He's always home. He's a homebody. And I don't mean this bad. Jacob, you'll find out, is a mama's boy. But he's running for his life. And as he's running for his life, you have to admit, he's not where he wants to be. Verse 11. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. So he's walking through the desert or through the woods. And nighttime comes and he realizes, I've got to go to sleep. Verse 11 continues, taking one of the stones right there. He puts it under his head and he lays down to sleep. So, so. His coat becomes a blanket. A rock becomes a pillow. And what we see here is Jacob is making a journey from a space that he wants to be to a space that he needs to be. 
on behalf of your life and my life, understand this. Some of you get it. Sometimes circumstances push you to a space. And some of you are in that space. You could say, I don't want to be here. I don't want to work here. I don't want to live here. I don't even want to go to school here. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I hoped. This was not part of the dreams. On behalf of all of us the last couple years, we've kind of all gone through that, right? It's what we've learned to call life. And understand, these are moments that we feel like the world has changed and it's forced us to a place that we don't want to be. Like we've been shoved there. But here's the good news. Often the space you need to be in isn't the space that you want to be in. And God does some of his greatest work inside of this space. Now, whether you were forced into this space, uh, whether you made a decision and messed up and found yourself in this space, understand that God is still Lord of this space. Meaning, he's in control of this space. He's in control of every space. And whether he allowed what happened to happen, or he perhaps arranged what happened to happen, or he allowed somebody to do something that caused it to happen, understand This space that you're in or you find yourself in, it does not catch God by surprise. And God is at work inside of this space. Let me show you what I mean, what takes place in this space. Understand, like how God works in crazy ways. We see in this story that God may separate us from family to connect us to him. Now, Jacob's mom, when you read the story, she's a believer. But she's one of those parents that is always hyper in control. Like today, people call them. Helicopter parents, some, I found this out, drone parents. I've heard lawnmower parents, like, like always taking anyone out. It doesn't even matter if it's teachers or coaches, whatever it is, when their child faces hardship. She's one of those. She's knocking down anyone that gets in the way of causing her child difficulty or trial or difficult circumstances. And understand, as a part of this, there's a consequence. Her son Jacob Knows nothing about character and courage because it's formed in adversity. She's always telling him what to do. Jacob's whole life, his mom looked out for him to a fault. And consequently, we never see Jacob talking with God. The guy's always talking with his mom. You know why? He doesn't need to talk to God. Because his mom will always tell him what to do. But understand... He's now separated from mom and dad. That's the space that he wants. And so he'll be connected to God. A space that he needs. Jacob's a grown man, guys. And God has to separate him from his parents to get him to this spot. Understand that sometimes circumstances push us out of space we want to be in to a space that we need to be in. And in these circumstances, God will create a significant opportunity where he starts to show up and he does some things that are new and exciting. Uh, Remember how we started the intro? Like so much of our days are like almost like a ritual, a routine, rinse and repeat over and over. We're all creatures of habit. Same thing day after day after day, predictable. Like all of a sudden something happens though. In the middle of a normal day, it's a, it's a phone call, it's a tragedy, it's a crisis. You're in the hospital, it's a diagnosis, it, it's, it's a divorce. Whatever it is, all of a sudden this happens. You didn't really want it. But understand, God does some of his greatest work in that space. 
the disruption in our routine creates space for God to do something extraordinary in our life. You're going to see it with Jacob. He's headed to Haran. He stops in a place that he doesn't know. It's not even marked on the map. He pulls off to the side. He's falling asleep, and God is about to show up in this space. Verse 12, as he's asleep with his rock for a pillow, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. This is one of those unexpected days, wouldn't you say that? Like it came out of nowhere. You, you have to admit, if you're Jacob, you're wondering, what is happening? He's getting this, this scene of what heaven looks like and messengers coming down from heaven and going back and forth. It's odd, it's different, it's unusual, it's shocking, it's surprising. It is one of those days. Verse 13, there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father. Look, your father Abraham, the God of your dad Isaac. You know what's happening here? God's also about to become the God of Jacob. Verse 13, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. This land had been promised to his grandfather, promised to his dad. This is the land, and it's now promised to the descendants of Jacob. This is the land where, where Israel will be located. In this very spot, spoiler alert, the temple will be built at this spot that Jacob's in. Verse 14, God says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You've heard that before. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the south and the north. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. This is the promise, the Old Testament promise. Like It's found at the first part of your Bible, first to Abraham, and now it's passing on. That there will be a nation called Israel. There will be prophets, priests, and kings in Israel. That ultimately lay the groundwork where in the New Testament, Jesus will be, become the king. He'll come to earth through Israel, meaning he will come as a Jew. The hope for all people. And he'll come through this family. Verse 15, God makes this statement to Jacob. I'm with you. I'll watch over you wherever you go. I'll bring you back. I won't leave you until I've done what I've promised you. So on behalf of the significance of what's happening in this space, space, please don't forget this. God's hand on your life is the most important part of your life. So when you get to the point that you trust God and he says, I will be with you, that is the most significant thing that will ever happen to you. Meaning mom and dad may not be with you. Your hometown might not be with you. Friends might not be with you, but God will be with you. Understand as a parent, the God who showed up for Abraham and Isaac is now showing up for Jacob, and there's hope. The implication to the parents and grandparents in this room, the God who showed up in your life, he can show up in their life. And Jacob's mom, even though she had the best intentions, understand she loved God. Understand she loved her son Jacob. She just kept trying to hold Jacob's life together to a fault. I mean, think about Jacob's mom. Jacob's mom and God had a relationship. Jacob's mom and Jacob had a relationship. But Jacob and God did not have a relationship yet. Understand, Jacob's relationship with God wasn't going to come through the relationship Jacob had with his mom. That was the space that Jacob wanted. But there was a space that he needed. Space that God wanted to do some of his greatest work. And thankfully, God shows up in this space with Jacob. And Jacob wasn't even looking for God. 
He's on the run. You know, as parents in this room, uh, I think a lot of us are learning different things in life at different seasons of life and then realizing how much we don't know as parents, as students, like we get it. You'll get there too. Like there are things you just don't understand. Slowly you learn. But some of the lessons that I'm learning that came to light through this story, sometimes it's easier to trust God for me than it is for me to trust God for them. As a parent, I mean, imagine how hard it was for, let's say, Jacob's mom. She could trust God for herself. She just couldn't trust God for her kids. I understand a lesson that I'm learning, a lesson that we all need to learn. The God who showed up in our life will show up in their life. And let me tell you how they get their cues. The way I respond to Jesus shows my kids how to respond to Jesus. So whether or not we make church a priority, how we get along at home, whether or not, whether or not we do this or that, my kids are taking their cues from me as to how they will respond to Jesus. So in a sense, when they're young, they're borrowing my faith, but eventually they'll have to have the faith of their own. So you know what it's like. I mean, it's why it's so important. Like when your kid's young, as a parent that follows Jesus, like learn to read the Bible to them, like, like, like a kid's version of the Bible. It's so funny to this day. I, uh, I read the kid's Bible so much, this little red picture Bible, so much that to this day when I read about the Apostle Paul, He's bald and he's got on the striped rope that was still in the book. Like as a kid, I, I learned to read those things. Parents, read those books to your kids now because you know why? So in a few years, they'll learn to read the Bible on their own. Parents, like, like when you start with your kids young, it's like you kind of dumb down your prayers in the presence of the kids. It's okay, like you're showing them how to pray. But the reason we do this is so eventually on their own, when they have their own faith, they'll want to pray. Parents, like right now, these are the days that we drive our kids to church. You know why? So that eventually when they get to be of the age, they will drive themselves to church. That's exactly what's coming out in this story. It just happened in a tough way. Jacob is separated from his mom because he's a man now. So he could be connected with God. He's left the space that he wanted to be in for space that he needed to be in. And he was forced to this space, like circumstances, things that he did, things that others did. But God does some of his greatest work in this space. Look at this. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, man, surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't aware of it. A space I didn't want to be in. Verse 17, he was afraid. He's afraid. And he says, how awesome is this place? Jacob's from the 80s, all right? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He's afraid because he's a con man. He's afraid because he's on the run for being a thief. He's afraid, and yet God meets him in the space that he's afraid. That's the beauty of grace. Verse 18, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he placed under his head. He set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. He's not about to sleep in after this occasion. It's impossible. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And now watch this. This is great. Then Jacob made a vow saying, by the way, don't start vows this way. If. He makes a vow with God saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me and on this journey that I am and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. Uh, Jacob's making a commitment to God that starts with the word if. Not the best prayer. 
God's not really into negotiations. And when you read this prayer, there's a lot of fine print in the contract. It's like Jacob saying, all right, God, here's my list of wants. It's a six-fold plan. Then, do I have a deal for you? You can be my God. You're welcome. That's kind of how faith starts, though. I mean, if we're all honest, like, like, we know what that's like to barter and negotiate with God. But we immediately see growth. Look at verse 22. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar, it'll be God's house. And of all that you give me, God, I'll give you a tenth. Understand, like, Jacob's still learning this whole issue about God talk. He started to follow God in the space, and he's making promises and all these things, and they're great. But understand this. God's not impressed by that rock. God makes galaxies. I'm out of the house. God doesn't need a house. God's people. That's us. We need a house. But here's Jacob in this space, early in his faith walk, encountering God for the first time. Pretty obvious in the prayer. You remember your early prayers? Like as a new follower of Jesus or close to becoming a follower of Jesus, like we make negotiations with God. Please don't let me get that ticket, right? I promise I'll never speed again. I promise I'll never speed again. That's the early prayers versus, God, will you please teach me like, like self-discipline? Or you're living with someone, God, please don't let her be pregnant. Please don't let her be pregnant. I promise you, I'll go into missions. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just instead of like, God, please just teach me your way about this issue called marriage. Like early in our Christian faith, so many of us, we understand that he's God. But we negotiate with him because we forget that he's Lord. You don't negotiate with God. But Jacob is starting this right because he makes two commitments to God. If you think about it, he, he makes a commitment on behalf of his wealth and his witness. But as he grows, his prayer life changes. It's not so much about, hey, God, we'll negotiate this. As you go, grow in your faith and as I grow in my faith, what you see modeled through Scripture is more, more questions with God than anything else. Like you, you evaluate the space that you're in that you don't want to be in. You ask questions like, what, what did I do? God, what is it that you want me to do? God, where do I need to trust you more? And, and God, how do you want me to trust you more? This is, this is the growth element of, of finding your, yourself in a space that you really don't want to be in. And as I said, Jacob makes a promise. He's like, look, I'm going public with this thing. God, I'll show you that you're my God. On behalf of my wealth, whatever I make from this moment forward, 10% is yours. And God, on behalf of my witness, God is my witness. This little rock that you and I met at this space on this day, I'm going to set it apart. By the way, in Genesis chapter 38, you read, Jacob gets his family and takes them back to the place and says, hey, it was right here at this spot that God and I met. Understand, when God shows up in your life, it is good to mark it. It's good to memorialize it. So you can retell the story of God's faithfulness to you. You can do it with friends, and especially you can share it with family. Like statements like, this is the space where God showed up with me. To this day, I, I still have like memories of, of rooms, even the smell of rooms, where I trusted Jesus. Uh, where I was called in the ministry. Where I was called to a city, <laughs> y'all, it was like 2001. I was up in the back right, in the middle of the week up here, in that corner. 
I said, God, I want you to call me the rest of my life to a city. I don't care about the church. Like, I'm not going to bounce around at churches and try to get, no, just call me to a city. I want to stay planted. It was up there in that top right corner. I, I remember places where God made it clear that I was to marry Jenny. Like, when you find a space, maybe in the moment you didn't want to be there and God's doing some great work, mark that space so you can share it with others. That's exactly what Jacob did in this space. And by the way, this space that he's in, it's the same space that his grandfather met God. And Jacob didn't even know it. In other words, understand this about this space. God doesn't just bless you. Bless you. He blesses others through you because of the space. In this room, there are all kinds of people that have been blessed in all kinds of ways. Some of you with money. Some of you with wisdom. Some of you with time. Some of you with influence. It is not just for you. God works through you. You heard it in God's covenant with Jacob. All peoples will be blessed through you. Slowly the American way is it's all about me. Understand this story isn't just about me and you and our space. And by the way, this story isn't just about Jacob and God in this space. This story is ultimately about Jesus. Because in the New Testament when Jesus first starts walking the earth and he begins to identify the disciples and he calls them out and has dialogue and conversation with each of these guys. There's one guy in particular, I think it's Nathaniel, that he has a conversation with. Nathaniel knows a lot about the Bible. Jesus makes a statement. Listen to this, John 1, 51. Jesus added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's like, you know that story about Jacob's ladder? I'm Jacob's ladder. He's telling Nathaniel, I've come down to you. And then after Jesus is crucified, buried, and risen again, he ascends into heaven. He makes a promise to about 500 people at once, eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. He says, hey, um, but you guys will receive power. This is Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes down on you. And you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Like this whole thing on Christianity is going to start in Jerusalem, hometown. But then it's going to spread out. And here we are in Knoxville today, thousands of years later. Understand, when he made the promise of the Holy Spirit coming down, that's another fulfillment of the statement. Listen to Acts 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message. And now as Christians, as followers of Jesus, you know what we're waiting on? We're waiting on his kingdom to come down, and it will. But the kingdom will come when the king comes. Revelation 21, verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. See, this is a story about Jesus. It's a story for you. Today, as we close, could we all just close our eyes and concentrate? I want to talk about the space that we're in right now. If some of you are like me, I bet some of you don't want to be here right now. But you need to be here right now. 
can we make sure this is the kind of space right now that God would meet with us? Some of you say, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in my marriage. I don't want to be at the school. I don't want to be in this city. Why don't you pray a prayer? God, please meet me in this space. And there are four promises that God makes throughout Scripture. We heard them today. As you sit here quietly in this space, I want to read his promises to you. He said them to Jacob. I will be with you in this space. I will watch over you in this space. I will bring you back from this space. And I will not leave you in this space. God, I want to thank you for space. On behalf of the students, like, like this good space that they spent in this whole week. Some of the adults in this room, a good space that they've experienced this week. But God, I also want to thank you for difficult space. God, we recognize in this room there's space that we want and space that we need. Remind us that in some of the spaces that we don't want, it's right where you need us. God, I have no doubt there is a lot of stories, a lot of tension, a lot of discouragement represented in this room because of a difficult space. Please remind all of us that you will be with us. That you will watch over us. That you will bring us back. And that you will never leave us. And I pray this today in Jesus' name.